We'll see. We'll see when I. Good morning. Listen, if you don't look at me and smile and, and relax so forth, this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go long-winded today, right? <laughs> okay, all right. So um, uh, w- before we get to the Proverbs, I, I was reading this morning in, um, on a website. I read, I don't know about you, but I get my news from lots of different websites, and I was on one, and I saw this amazing, um, on the Fox, foxnews.com, um, on the front page, there was an opinion story that I just captured me. It, it, the, the, the headline of the story was, are you a believer in exile? I invite you to try God again. And it's a short, short uh, little opinion, but basically it says that um, in the United States, about 83% of Americans consider themselves Christians, but a majority of them don't attend church. And if you ask them why, this very, very common answer comes up. It says, because of the wounds they received within the family of faith. I mean, and that doesn't surprise you. I'll bet it doesn't. And uh, that's not really what the sermon's going to be about today. Um, it says, they were driven from the church fellowship by wounds that, that were inflicted on them by church members. And um, I, I just, it just captured my soul because that's what happened to Jesus too. Right? <laughs> and um, I, um, I just, it, it just really is relevant and timely for a lot of reasons today. And I thought I would mention it only, not only because of where we're going to go in, this, in, in the message in our time together today, you'll, you'll see that it makes sense. But I just think it's a reminder from the Lord that um, you probably, maybe, maybe you have, are carrying wounds with you. And you're here by, a, by just the thread because you've been wounded in church before, and so you're just really, okay, I'm going to give you another chance, God, but if one of these people smacks me around again spiritually, I'll be done. You know, I know people that are there, and they've had that little thread cut, and um, and I know other people. You, you might too. I just thought we should be aware of this and sensitive to it and maybe pray about it for a minute. Can we do that? Okay, so Lord, thanks for the reminder that um, that we can at times be really hard on each other, and uh, I don't really sense that here in this church fellowship. I, and this is not by a correction in any way, but thank you, Lord, for the reminder that we should be tenderhearted to, towards people who need to be in the house of God. So, Lord, when you give us opportunities, grant to us spiritual insight, wisdom, and love, so that we can love people back into your house. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so today's the 8th, and I'm completely going to blow the rules up here. I did pick one scripture out of uh, Proverbs chapter 8, and it's uh, simple. Verse 17, those who seek me, find me. But also because it's the 8th, I like to visit um, Romans chapter 8, because there's a terrific verse there that I, like, that I really feel like you needed to hear today, and that's verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Lord, I pray that, Lord, um, that you would be in, in our midst. We know that you are. And uh, so as we open your word today, and there's a plan, and we have scriptures we're going to read, and I think I know what I'm doing here as far as where we're going to go, but I invite you, Lord, to speak to our hearts, to help us as sons and daughters to hear the voice of heaven, not necessarily Terry's voice, but Lord, through your scriptures and through your spirit, speak to us. We invite it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 
I'm going to tell a story, and I, I, the story might involve some of the people sitting here right now, and I promise not to embarrass you. I might not get the facts um, in the correct order, or you know, I, I might paint something red, and it needs to be painted pink. Um, but you get my point, so, so give me grace. But there's, here's, there's a true story that happened from last week in this room. There was a family who... Um, came to church with their children, and they were, I think, babysitting the daughter of one of their friends who was their same age range, and they came to church. And last Sunday, it just so happened that we, we had communion, and so we passed out the elements. I heard this story later. And we passed out the elements, and as the ushers passed them out, and along they came, this little girl received, this, this guest of the family received the elements, the, the juice and the cracker. And in her church, the children don't stay for worship. They have a program where the kids go immediately to the beginning. So she wasn't used to it, didn't really understand it. She just knew that when she went to Sunday school, they pass out snacks. <laughs> and so she figured, oh, good, this must be snack time. Might as well. So she just popped them in and ate them. I just thought that was really cute. And that um, I just love that kind of innocence. And something I'm going to tell you about sitting up in the front row, I could hear this whole row was full of little girls. The choir in the front was terrific today. <laughs> So distracting, man, it was cool. It was really cool. Anyway, I just thought that was good. But the, but the same story continues. The next day I get an email that had made a couple of hops before it got to me. This little girl went home, and um, her, uh, her mother wrote an email to the friend and said, hey, you need to know. Um, she came home, and she was singing this song, and she quotes this memory verse that she learned, which I think this week it's God loves a cheerful giver, which, you know, the pastor loves that memory verse. That's a great one. Um, you know, and, and so she's quoting this verse, enough that it touched that mother's heart. Thank you for bringing my little one to your church service today. And I, here's my thinking about that. Um, these kids come up here and they, they quote these verses and we hear a testimony like that. And I should have said this before because teacher Terry, who oversees our children's department and, and they're all over there serving your kids right now, but they do a terrific job. And although they can't hear it at the moment, let's thank them. Let's thank them for the way they care for our kids. Okay. So, so today, um, um, I, I want to, um, we'll start with Proverbs 29 in, in, uh, as we get into the word, and I'll just start there and we'll go. Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, or some translations say revelation, the people perish. But happy, happy, happy is he who keeps the law. <laughs> Might only be one in the actual scripture, but I don't think I've changed the context. <laughs> hey, Jack, what? What? Okay, so my own family is bouncing back at me. Um, so happy, happy, happy. Happy is he who keeps the law, but where there's no vision, the people perish. What does that mean? It's pretty amazing. Jesus, Jesus actually, of course, taught the truth because it's in the word, but he, he, he demonstrates it. And um, so he's about, and, and, and you'll find this in, in, in the end of the Gospels, but he's about to leave. He's, at this point, he's been crucified, died, resurrected, and then he's been back and he's, been, and he's been in some of these meetings. And so he's about to depart at this point, and he rounds up his guys, 11 disciples now, because one is gone. And there are other people there too, but scripture mentions the 11. And so it's like, this is his last time, last kind of staff meeting with these guys. What's he going to do with his time? And uh, here we, we, we pick this up. In Matthew 28, starting in verse 16, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I think those are, that's probably the people who hadn't seen him at that point. 
And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority, which also translates as all power, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Leave, that, leave the whole scripture up for a little while because I'm going to talk about that for a second. Um, whatever Jesus calls you and me to do through the Holy Spirit, he's going to empower us to do that too. Do you see that promise there? He's not going to call you to something and say, I hope it works out for you. Go get some you know, lumber and figure it out on your own. He doesn't do that. He, um, he's going to be there. And so when God starts to put something in your soul about your tomorrows and it's bigger than you're capable of, which it always will be, by the way. He's never going to ask you to do something that's not going to be heaven-inspired that is something that you can do absent God. I mean, he's going to ask you to do things that's going to require a partnership. He wants to work with you and, and enlarge your tomorrows. So when it seems bigger than you are, that's not a time to kind of start fretting and wringing of your hands. It's more of a time to go, okay, wow, okay, the Heavenly Father believes in me, and he's going to amplify some, something here. Something good's going to go on here. And, and, and because he's promised his power to us, and we'll be able to fulfill that. And so when God puts a dream in your heart, and it seems bigger, your, your marriage, you say, God, I'd really like to have a healthy, loving, thriving marriage, but my husband is a broken man because of alcohol. I can't fix that. When you hear the Lord speaking that promise into your heart and he starts whispering it, that's the time for you to grip on, not to give up because it's outside of your reach. Or your kids, you have something for your children that you see and you, and you want to hope and lead them, but they won't even talk to you and they're disrespectful and dishonoring and there's no way you can do it. But it was the Lord that put that in your heart. That's the time to start leaning into faith and thinking, you know, okay. Because if he's placed something inside of you, he's also going to provide the power to accomplish it. Don't know how that's going to work out, but it will. And so now Jesus Jesus has now rounded up his 11, and he's about ready to, to put some vision in them. He's about ready to cast his vision for what he's planned for these guys and um, he's really actually going to describe what he's already put inside of them. He's going to be describing what he already sees they can and will become because of his plans, what he's already done. He's already, he's already declaring what's already present. That's really what's going on here. And he starts talking to them about his vision for the future. Verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. Now that's his vision that he gives to this group. By the way, I'm not going to tell you that's his vision for us. That's, that's a vision for the, the entire body of Christ everywhere for all times. But um, this is his mission to this 11. You guys, here's your deal. Was this bigger than them? <laughs> wow. All the nations. This is 11 local you know, carpenters, fishermen. These are, these are not like, you know, this isn't Henry Kissinger and you know, a rock band. This is, this is a handful of guys that hadn't really traveled. And he sees them as changing the world. This is obviously bigger than them. And then he goes on and says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And he says, amen. Notice that he prefaced his vision with a promise of power. And then he ended it with a promise that he'd be present. What's he saying to you? 
because you get the same promise. He's saying to you that what what he's planting in your heart about your tomorrows, he's going to provide the power and he's going to stick with you. He's going to stick with you. And here's the thing. When God gives us a vision, it's going to always challenge us. It will. Because it stirs us a little bit out of our comfort zone or maybe a lot out of our comfort zone and calls us to to do things and to be things we've never done before sometimes. Um, There's a guy named Newton, Isaac Newton. Not the Fig Newton guy, but the other guy, the... And come on, when I say something cute and clever like that, you have to, you have to acknowledge that, or I, I've wasted that whole pun or that whole thing. Okay, so, um, so Newton um, taught us that a body at rest stays at rest. Now, okay, now you science teachers, get, cut me some slack here. I don't word it exactly correctly, because I know that if you take two science teachers and say, tell me about the uh, Newton's laws of, of motion or, and, or whatever it's called, that they'll both give you different answers anyway. They'll both mean the same thing, but they'll word it differently. So you guys got to cut me some slack so that I, okay, there's not going to be a test at the end, right? Okay, so I'm looking at a science teacher, a science, one of the science guys in the back row. And um, so um, he says this, and we call that property inertia. It's a great property. I like science. Inertia can actually be applied to our spiritual lives. The same principle actually happens, and it's true. Spiritual inertia, it says two things. You will stay exactly where you are. I mean, that's the natural default mode for humanity. We don't change. Resist change. Stay where you are. It's safe. It's comfortable. It's familiar. Unless you are acted upon by an outside force. Spiritual inertia. And the outside force that acts upon us, hopefully, is the very spirit of the living God. You know, and then it takes some intentional surrender, some intentional action on our part, and then we can break out of our current state of motion or inactivity. And just as Jesus did with his disciples and just as Jesus does with this church family, um, give us a vision or we'll perish, you need to have a vision for your tomorrows. You do. You really do. And I'm not talking about, you know, you're going to climb Mount Everest, or you're going to make jam this fall, or you're going to do the things on your bucket list. That's all fine. Those are things you want to do. But we're talking here about the answer to the question, you know, what are your purposes, Lord? Here, right here. What are you up to, God? That's what I'm talking about. And the, God, and the vision that God gives you personally might require you to change some things. It might require you to change the way you view people or change the way that you act or even some of the things that you do. And the vision that God will give a church might cause us to, you know, turn us on our heads. It could. It could, it could do that. I'm, don't no, relax. You'll be okay. We'll get through this day. I'm not going to shock you, I hope. Um, but it could cause us to, to take a look at the same world we're already in from a, maybe a little bit different perspective and see some things that we didn't see before. And, um, and I, you know, historically, when I look at what the things are that God, every great move of God, um, every great revival, every great awakening has somehow challenged the world. And those who were willing to embrace God's vision and what he was up to and move forward and go along with what God, they they grew. Those people grew and they saw and watched the power of God moving in their midst. 
But people that refuse the challenge and people that, conf- that just refuse to conform their will to the will of God, you can look historically, they just, those groups just kind of withered and died. I really believe that by embracing the vision, you're able to see God's plans for your tomorrows. What he's speaking to you, if you'll embrace it, you'll begin to see God's plans for your tomorrows. By embracing that vision, we're able to envision the, the future that God has for us and the same thing for our church. And that's what we're here to talk about. When I, um, when I came, um, when I was asked as a pastor, hey, would you go be the pastor at Crossroads Church by the people who make those decisions? I said, yeah, I need to go explore and see what the Lord would speak to us. And we, Lisa and I came and we prayed and we really had, we, we had revelation. We really believe the Lord is in it and we're so grateful to be here. And um, as a leader, some of you know my background. Many of you don't know my background. I came from another large church that has a couple thousand people in it. And I was the executive pastor there, which is a very, you know, it's a $4 title that basically means... Um, the, the, the senior pastor, you know, was of course the senior pastor and led the place and set the standards and got the word from the Lord. But basically, I was the one who led the entire staff. I was overseeing. I was everybody's boss except the senior pastor. It was a big place. At one point, I was signing 105 paychecks. That's enough families that if they were all together, it would be bigger than our church. That's the paid staff. Okay, so big organization. I ran a lot of stuff going on all the time. I was somewhere in the background, but I know how to... Um, put on a big church. I know how to run big ministries. I know how to do a lot of stuff. I got, I got a lot of experience. So I come tooling down to see what the Lord would say to me about leadership here. And I didn't come thinking, man, I got, I got a quiver full of arrows. I know what I'm going to do. I got all these plans. I didn't do that. Somehow the Lord got, his, got my attention ahead of time. He says, you better hold up here and find out what my plans are <laughs> rather than what you can do. Love you, Terry, but, you know, come on. I mean, you know, he says, you just kind of wait. So when I, I, I came to this place and I thought, okay, easy go, easy going. Don't come charging in there with all this stuff. Don't try to transform this, 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 this church family into something where you've been. That's not my plan. You need to figure out what it is I'm up to. And um, I, think you'll, I think you'll like it. I mean, it, did, it, was, it wasn't like an actual audible conversation, but that kind of thing is going on, you know, you know, and, and so I, you know, I came and I decided just to pray, to listen, to talk to people, to watch, to find out what you were made of. What's your heartbeat? What is it that the Lord already has present? Just like in the, 12, in the 11. When he declared to them what they were going to do, it was already in them. And if you, if you looked at them beyond their fishnets, you could see it was in them to go and, and do this. So I tried to do the same thing. Come here and say, what's going on in this church family? What are the values here? What is it that the Lord has already started that precedes me and it'll be here long after Terry's gone? That's a long ways away, by the way. I'm not going anywhere. I love it here and so does Lisa. And um, so I just was watching to see what kind of God-given talents and things the Lord was doing here. And... um, and ask the same questions of the Lord that I would ask him about me. What are your purposes here, God? What are you up to? Because if you get the answer to those questions, you'll know what the mission of the church is. Now, I hate to use that word because it sounds like a very polished PR approach. And this is not what this is. But it's a nice handle that I can grab onto. If I say the church has a mission statement, okay, that's what I mean. But don't, don't, don't go PR on me, okay? Don't go Madison Avenue. We won't do that. We'll just agree not to do that. 
<laughs> okay. All right. So I can t- tell you this, that once I got here and I started watching, the things about this church that were so obvious, you're going to agree with this um, instantaneously. I mean, I've never been in a church where, where, um, or any ministry where the vision that God has for a place has been so clear and so precise as the vision that God has shown me is his plan for this church. But it's not just a vision that I believe that God has shown me. I believe it's a vision that God has given us. I, I, think, I think, you know, so many of you have already told me what you see about our tomorrows here, and we're on so much the Lord's page. We're on the same page with the Lord. It's just, it's just really, really good. And I know that you've heard the Lord whisper some things to you and talk to you. And he also says this. He says this to us today. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Their plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And there were times when the people who remained here in this church body were tenacious, but they started wondering, do we have a tomorrow? Is there really a hope for it? And the Lord says, yep. And I know that this is happening because he's whispered it to you and you're already living them. First, the first time I ever walked into this place, I saw things, and we'll, I'm going to come back to that in a minute. So the Lord brought with me to uh, Crossroads Church. He brought with me a couple of expectations that I'm fairly inflexible about. This is what my philosophy is, and I believe it, and I'm so glad that this was already present in this church. And so I'm just going to kind of go through a couple of these things. First off, um, this church, and I'm not going to budge on these. These They're just inflexible. This church, we will honor the word of God. That will be the benchmark for us. We won't decide who will be or make any other decisions based on anything else. We'll use the anything else to be wise about how to apply what the Lord is showing us, but the word of God will be the benchmark. It will be the yardstick. It will be, the, it will be what determines. I don't want to be a troublemaker, but I'm not real concerned about politi- being politically correct. I'm concerned about being wise and sensitive and tender and loving because scripture tells me that. But it doesn't tell me to compromise the truth to make someone else feel better. Can't do that. Can't do that. Because I don't believe it will actually make them, it might make them feel better temporarily, but it won't make them better. It won't help their brokenness. It won't help mine. So honor the word of God. Second thing is that we will honor worship here. We will worship the Lord God Almighty. He and he alone is worthy of our adoration and our praise. Yes and the amen. I lift your name right this moment, Lord, and worship you. And I declare that's what this church will do. And I embarrassed Steph, and I didn't mean to, because as a catchphrase, you know, we present Jesus here. We don't present any person. You have some people who are publicly in front of you a lot and so forth, but we're just like you. We're just kind of doing what the Lord told us to do. And, and, um, but we present Jesus Christ here. So we worship Jesus and we worship him alone. And from my very first visit here, it was so obvious, these things I'm going to tell you, because they're woven into your fabric. If you can't see these in the mirror, let me help you out right now. First off, we value every person here. Everyone. Every one of you has the exact same value to the Lord. There's not a person here that's more important or less important. And if you come to church and you feel like you have to kind of sneak in under God's radar because you feel like you've broken his heart or you have done something or you have hurt someone, let me tell you, um, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. That's why I read that scripture before. But I want you to know your worth is not less than the guy that stands up there and cracks open the word of God and teaches. You're not worth any less. You're worth 
every bit as much. And if you don't hear that, the voice telling you that is hell. And resist that voice. Scripture says when you resist the enemy, he will flee from you. Resist that lie because you have worth. So we believe that here. Every, we value every person. Another thing that we do is we value families, all of them. If your family is you by yourself, we value that and that we know that the Lord will contain you and bless you. If you, are a, if you are a family of a single parent and a child, we value your family. If you are a grandparent raising your grandchildren, we value you. If you have 2.3 kids and a dog, we value that a lot. Or any other four-legged animal of lower intelligence that you would find. <laughs> You know, my wife told me don't make cat jokes today. I just am too immature. I'm so, I'm really not sorry. Anyway, I also want to say I appreciate a Star Trek shirt in church. I think that's a, a sign of godliness and I, it rocks. I saw that when I was ever doing, sharing that prophetic word and it almost distracted me because I thought it was so cool. So we value families. We want to do things to make families thrive in whatever state they're in. Lisa and I were camping last week for a couple of days in the middle of the week. And we were in a camp spot, and our son and daughter were in a camp spot, two over. And in between us was another family. And that family had two moms, no dad, and some children. And I prayed for that family because I value the family. I'm not saying anything that Scripture would, 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 would undercut. I'm not encouraging that as the family structure. I'm just saying we need to encourage families because those children need to be encouraged. Whatever that means, I don't know. Anyway, so we value as a church families. Did I lose you on that? <laughs> okay. And then the fifth thing is that we value relationship. We are about relationship here because that's the place where the Lord is going to do things that are just, you know, there's a, I, this is a real rabbit trail. I won't go very far. I'm just going to step off for a second. You know, there are studies about the value of people having relationships in their life. And I read one study if you, it, said, it said the word robust, which means strong, resilient. So if you have robust relationships with friends and family in your life, here's what you can expect. You're less likely to get sick. You're going to sleep better. You're going to stay mentally sharp later into life. I better have lots of friends or I'm in trouble. You, you, you're, and you're going to live longer. Be friendly. It works out. It's good for you. And these are the things that are already painted on you. This isn't something that we're going to become. This is something you already are. You, this, is, this, is, I, this is the friendliest church. I don't know if you've experienced that or not, but I, how could you not? I mean, but it is just a picking friendly church. <laughs> and, um, you know, and the results are kind of obvious. I mean, the Holy Spirit ministers here. Last week, there were multiple instances of people who, I don't want to expose anybody or say anything inappropriate, but who at different times got up and left the service crying. And uh, we try to intercept them and care for them. And, and it's, it's always because the Holy Spirit's doing something. The Holy Spirit is working in people's hearts. And, and I hear testimonies all the time about somebody. Somebody writes a notice and says, hey, this happened at church today. And, and it was just a demonstration of the Lord's loving kindness. And it was supernatural. And it happens here all the time. We have that going on. There's new, there are new people here. I don't know if you notice it, but we get new faces all the time. There are salvations 
consistently. People open their heart to the Lord. And ministry, you know, just the things that are going on. Ashley, thank you. There was this, did you catch that? All that stuff that's going on and churning. And that's grassroots. That's not me and Lisa pounding on a drum saying, hey, we got to get these programs going because this is what our experience is. We have intentionally waited on the Lord to, to, draw, to raise things from the grassroots and it's happening here. It's just, it's just healthy. And so those five points that are, that are up there, those are my values too. I believe in those things. You believe in those things. And that's something that the Lord engineered for this place before any of us ever attended here. It was in the Lord. I really believe it was in the Lord's mind. And that's why, you know, we, um, we do things the way we do. Like, even though we're crowded, we keep the kids in here during worship because that's a core value to us. It's important to us that our children see grown-ups worshiping. What an image for them to see. They see enough other things that you want to peel out of their hearts. That's something you want to jam in there deeply. Watching their mother and their father worshiping God, what better thing would you want your kids to see you do? Can't think of much. And so I was asking the Lord that question. What are you up to, God? What is it that you're calling us to be? Because it's obvious who we are here. What's your plan? What are you trying to do in this place? And I'd say it's been at least the last couple of years. A couple of years ago, the Lord began to answer that question because I was asking it right off the bat and I've been here now for three years. Lisa and I think three years. Tomorrow. Oh, is it tomorrow? So we've been here three years and um, you know, he began to answer my questions. Lord, what are you up to? You know, how, sh- how should I lead this place? What, what's, what are you doing here, God? And here's what I know that the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, and he was speaking to, he said, because you, and he didn't mean Terry, he meant this family. Because you honor my word. Because you worship me. Because you value people. Because you value families. Because you value relationships. I'm going to trust to you, healthy people. And I'm going to trust to you the sick. I'm going to trust to you the broken and the bruised and the bleeding and the hopeless. I'm going to trust people to this church family because you will value them and love them back to health. And he said, you will be a gathering. This is what he said to me. You will be a gathering where anyone can embrace Jesus. That is the Lord's answer to my question. Crossroads Church, a place where anyone can embrace Jesus. Now, when I tell you that that's our mission, you need to give that some time. Because it means a lot of things, and it doesn't mean other things. It needs to be taken in the context of the whole list of the five things that were up there. We're not going to compromise the word of God but we're going to embrace people so that they can embrace God. And if you think it through in your own lives, there were times that you needed people to embrace you so that you could embrace God. And you didn't have to get all cleaned up first. I thank the Lord for that for my life. I thank the Lord that there were times in my life that my failures and my sins could have been the reason why someone said, I'm done with you, and threw me out, and didn't. 
Instead, they embraced me. And that let me embrace the Lord. This is a place, the crossroads is and will be a place where anyone can embrace Jesus. And there's power in that kind of vision. When we embrace it, when, we're, when we allow the presence of Jesus, when we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to use us, it will accomplish the Lord's will in us and in the people we talk to. And I really think that great things are in store for this church as we develop leadership and ministries that will make a difference in the lives of the bruised and the battered and the bleeding. When we are willing to pick up the souls that the world has thrown and left in the ditch, things are going to happen. And there will be attacks. I believe there will be spiritual attacks as we pursue this vision. But Jesus is with us. He promised. He's with us. He promised power and he promised he'd be with us. And there are going to be scoffers and there are going to be naysayers. But Jesus is with us. And there may be times that we look at things we want to do and feel we're supposed to do and the resources may not be, lim- may not be there. But Jesus is with us. So now I want to kind of get practical with you. I've been looking forward to today to share this, this vision statement with you. But also we need to get practical because the Lord has already been sending people to us, you might have noticed. And you know, he's been entrusting people. And we need some space. And we're not going to fix that problem by not having the kids with us, for example. I mean, well, I mean, there's obviously a few chairs available now, but if you bring the kids back in here, we didn't have enough. We didn't have enough kids. And, um, you know, we, we have had attendance over the course of the summer that was unusual for a summer. In fact, there were a couple of Sundays where we had people sitting out of there at the, during the worship time. In the summer, that's unheard of. And I've been very concerned because here we are at fall. People start, you know, they're not away at vacation. There's a little more regular in attendance. And the Lord is doing new, fresh things in people's hearts. We should expect to see some more new people showing up because the fall season comes. It's just a statistical thing that happens in churches. And I've been concerned. And um, I've mentioned from time to time here that we have got these plans we were working on in the background. I've talked to you about permits. And I've mentioned things, but I've only mentioned them. I haven't really detailed them. I want you to know that as a, you know, as a group, the council has been talking about this and praying about this for quite a length, lengthy period of time. We've been doing a few things, taking some actions, and they've been doing that for the last couple of years. I mean, so they've seen this coming for a long time. Now, I want to take just a minute, in case you don't know, and introduce to you who our church council members are. So I'll just ask the, them to stand up. Brett and Denise Hardcastle, right over here. And uh, Bob and Carolyn Hockey are right over here. And Jamie and Sue Weeks are right over here. Would you stand up so we can see who you are? Now, I want you to thank them, because you have no idea what the way they serve you constantly. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I, uh, I've actually invited one of our council members to help share with what we're going to do, the practical things that we're going to do. And so, Brett, this is your time. Do you have a microphone? Come on up. And I'll be glad to be your lovely assistant with drawings or anything that, if you need it. So, um, take, t- t- clean that mess up Hello. that I just made, would you? Thanks. Uh, I just want to say it's a privilege to be a part of this church and the council and everybody here because it's just just like Terry just outlined everything here. Uh, we are a family, and we love each other, and we care for each other, and we care for kids, and that's awesome. Um, well, we have, uh, as a council, I just want to let you know that nothing is ever done if there's one person that... Uh, Pastor Terry or the council members that just doesn't have a clear, I mean, they're, they're committed to whatever, you know, we're trying to decide. And so we wait on that we, until everything, everybody's in agreement, and that's a great thing for me. So um, 
I'll give you a little history over the past three years. Uh, we've paid off our mortgage, which, there we go, uh, was $70,000. And then we built up the funds. And here a year ago, we did the HVAC, which in the vision, we we just knew the Lord wanted to expand this church. So we provided, um, you know, we made it bigger so that could happen. And we paid that off at $35,000. And then during this whole permitting phase, which was engineering and uh, the vision is, is we're going to have a bigger foyer outside, uh, we've paid $7,000 uh, with that. And so this is all paid for. This is uh, things that and we still are financially sound. Uh, we're do what we want to do when we expand, and we're going to take out these walls. In fact, we might as well just do that right now. Vanna. Yeah. So uh, the pink here, these are the two walls over here in the, in the adjoining rooms. We're going to take these out, so it will make it a, a way bigger area, and we're going to move the stage a little bit over this way. Uh, and then this is something that, honestly, the county gave us favor because... And I've dealt with this personally. If you've ever had to go through permitting phases and everything else, it's a nightmare sometimes. So anyway, they said, yeah, you can just go ahead and do that. Well, in the process of when we're getting these permits and everything, uh, this here, this is this wall here is right here. We're going to enclose that space out there and then make a big foyer out there. And then so people can leave the church and go to the bathroom and just go. And it'll be all covered. And so that'll be a good thing. And, um, but that's the second phase. So right now, uh, it's basically tearing out those walls, take, uh, fixing the ceiling and recarpeting everything and, and chairs. So cash on hand we have today is $13,000. The construction of all of this, uh, is $30,000. And so we're $17,000 we need. Now, I'm not saying this is not a spiel to, hey, you know, this is what we want. I want you to pray about it. I want you to, you know, see if the Lord says no, then that's cool. I mean, that's totally fine. He's provided where we are right now, you know, and I believe he will provide for that, you know, the expansion of what we need to do when we need to do it. But we don't want to get a loan. We don't want to go into debt, and so as, you know, offering, uh, you know, and we get money for that, then then we'll do that. But that's just the way we're going to do it. Um, so uh, what else we got here? So, the fin so basically, to finish phase one, the remainder of the chairs and the technical things we need to do, It'll be another fifteen thousand dollars. So doing the whole sanctuary, the carpet, the whole thing will end up being thirty-two thousand dollars. And then that, and then we'll just it'll provide a lot more room for people. It's very disturbing to me when I come to church and I see people that they have no place to sit, and I watch them walk out, and I'm just like my heart just breaks for that. So um, anyway. Uh, 
I just want you to pray about it. And if you know it's different than our normal normal ties, but uh, you know if the Lord leads you to do that, then we would you know as a church appreciate that. And Terry is next. Okay, and you got some more to share in a minute, right? Right? Yep. Yeah. So um, I, I just appreciate a couple of things that Brett shared, and I just want to repeat them, and maybe uh, in case you didn't catch them. And when our council, when we when we come to meetings and we talk about different things, we don't move forward on something if there isn't unity. If somebody says, I don't know, I'm just not ready for this, if there's, if there's a lack of peace or something, then we think, okay, what if that one is the one who's captured the spirit? So let's slow down until all of us are on the same page. And, um, and we've done that from time to time. And, you, and the answer always comes out something that blesses us and the Lord and the church because we've taken the time to, to find, you know. So we, I, I love meeting with these guys. They're f- full of wisdom and, and they've got great, great, uh, great minds, great hearts. And we have peace, I think, a large part in church. We have peace in the church because there's just wise people. You don't know it, but behind the scenes they're doing a great job. And our philosophies are the same. We don't want to borrow money for this. Um, the church is healthy financially, and um, so we're going to go as we can afford this project. So if we were to do everything at once and buy all new chairs, do all that kind of stuff, we, we'd need about 32000 But we feel like we can take one step at, at, with another 17000 and we can, we can tear the walls out, replace the carpet, put the chairs in, and get us back running again, but not completely get all the shares we need and so forth. I mean, you see that. So there's some, some steps there. And we'll move forward as we can afford it because we're not going to put the church into debt to do it. And um, there are other things that are going on. Now, I appreciate also you commented, Brett, about, um, about offerings. I want to take, the reason he asked me back up here is because as the pastor, I just want to kind of point out in, in what the word says about the difference between a tithe and an offering. This is 100%. You get to pick. You get to choose. I mean, the tithe, you can disobey if you want. I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just saying the tithe, the scripture says, is the Lord's. Scriptures tell us that it's, it's um, the, the first 10%. It's our first fruits. And that it doesn't really belong to us. That's the Lord's. We, so we give that to the Lord, and that's an act of faith. And that's what runs, the, the fuels the ongoing of the kingdom. Okay, so that's where your tithe money goes. It, it, we, we run the church with it. We also give it away. We plant churches. I mean, you, we, we send to the mission field. We do other things with it beyond our own, own, own walls. But that's what is the operations of the church. So now we're doing something a little different, a little above and beyond. That's when we come to you and we say, this is for offerings. And we've done it before, like when there was a tsunami in Japan and we wanted to send relief. And that's what the word says is that offerings are completely optional. The word says that you, you weigh it in your heart, and if the Lord um, prevails on your heart, then just do what he says. So we're not going to twist your arms or keep track or call you up or any of those kinds of things. We're simply going to do this. We're going to share the vision what we believe the Lord has called this church to do. And, um, you know, as we're talking through this, if you're a guest today, forgive me for um, being so cliche and talking about money. Um, we don't do that very often here. It's really pretty rare. And so you kind of get to be a fly on the wall and hear us. This is family business. So if you're a guest, you're getting to see some kingdom business being conducted. But if you're a family member here, and this, you know, by that I mean this is the place where you are fed and cared for. This is your home. That's for, this, is, this is a chat for family today. And that's, so we ask you to, to do a couple of things. We ask, we're asking you to talk to the Lord and say, God, um, 
Is there, are you going to bear witness that this mission, this church that I'm you know, a part of, this is it? And are you about this? Is this really up to you? Or is this a bunch of guys that just have a business plan? If it's the Lord, and he prevails on your heart, and he says to you, yeah, give something, then give it. That's all. Because we believe the Lord will provide through us, us included. And you notice that the, the one of the slides said there's $13,000. There's actually more than that that we've spent some on the building. But the Lord has already been talking to people about making room for people. So we kind of tagged a little bucket of money and said people were already giving to this before we've even gone public with it. And that's why there's $13,000 already. Because people have given specifically to this expansion. The Lord's already you know, birthed that vision in their heart. So that's, that's what's going on. Um, I'm... Um, um, I just I want to read this scripture, 2 Corinthians uh, 9, 6 through 9. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't. If you feel it's your duty to give here, don't do it. Please. I'm just asking you that. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will, give, will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need, and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. So this isn't about pressuring you. We're not going to do that. You can only give what you believe that the Lord is prevailing on your heart. So want to talk about the outside part? Yep. Oh, good. Uh, I was, it was a scripture, it was in 2 Corinthians, I can't remember the verse, but uh, on my way up here, I thought, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And it's really a stepping out of, you know, our belief of this church and the community and people that, are, that need Jesus in their life. And that's, uh, that's the vision, and I believe everybody's heart here for that. So the second phase... This is the wall right here, is right here. So this is the outside walkway, and this is going to be a foyer that is going to be, I forget how, 26. 26. It's going to be right out there. It's going to be covered. Uh, and we have another. Vanna to the rescue. Vanna. The pink is all the new stuff. So uh, this is going to be brought out 26 feet, and then there's going to be, a, I think it's like 10 feet over here, something like that, yeah. And um, so you can kind of get a visual of that. And we have stuff around here, and if there's after service, if you want any questions answered, uh, I think any of the council mem- most of the council members will be here, or uh, Terry, and we can answer all those. So... Uh, I put a little jot here. If it was easy, we wouldn't grow as a church impersonally. And I think, you know, uh, the Lord uses times like this to test our faith and really test him. I mean, are you, Lord, are you really faithful? You know, I mean, it makes us grow. So uh, I think that's my whole part. But i like to say, a, just a, do a quick prayer right now and... Uh, Lord, I, you know, during this whole expansion and, um, you know, trying to serve the needs of the church and the congregation and the people in this community, Lord, just uh, put it on our heart, Lord, you've, you've directed us this far and given us vision for this. So, Lord, just finish directing our steps. And we just pray for your wisdom 
and your guidance in all of this, Lord, and just help us come together as a, as a, as a congregation wanting to grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I'm Rachel Goodat. Uh, Pastor Terry asked me to speak for just a minute and, and tell you a couple things. Um, one of them is um, uh, I've got some practical things to just mention, but one of them is that I've participated in building programs before. I've participated in giving funds before. And um, I, I'm going to tell you this right now. It's not about the money. And I'm, I'm trying to see the whites of your eyes so you can see it. It's about what God wants to do in you through it. My, my, the giving campaign, I was a youth in my parents' house, no steady income, and I remember the Lord speaking very clearly to me about amount that was beyond what I could normally give, because I didn't have steady income, I was just a kid, and, um, and he supernaturally provided what he told me that I needed to give, and when I gave it, I grew in such a way that it's changed my life forever. It's, it's changed the way I feel about money, but it's changed the way I feel about church, and it's changed how I, um, how I operate as a, as a member of, of a kingdom, as a member of a family, and um, so when we give, it's not, it's not just about the money. It's really about what the Lord wants to do in, in our hearts and who we are as a um, children in the kingdom. Not only that, I really believe that every one of you, when you ask the Lord, what's my role in this building project, he's going to respond. And if you've never heard the voice of the Lord before, you're going to find out that it's just a tugging on your heart. Somebody may be here audible, but most of us just a tugging on my heart. And I know I'm right when I do it and I feel peace about it. And some people, the Lord's going to say, you need to give $5. Some people, the Lord's going to say, you need to give $5 every week for the next six months. Some people, he's going to say, you need to give 500 You need to give 5000 Whatever it is, I promise you this. At the end of the building project, we will have exactly the amount of money that we need to have. Because everybody walked in obedience to what the Lord's called them to do. It's not going to be a dollar more or less than we need. And what you gave is just as important and is just as essential as the person next to you, regardless of amount. So um, when we do this building project, I, I know you're already thinking this. What can I do to help? It's not just about money, right? So there are three things that we're asking you to do. One is pray. Um, pray for what the Lord would have you do. Ask him, Lord, am I supposed to give? What am I supposed to give? Um, pray for our building project. We have um, contractors coming in. They're going to be doing some dangerous things like knocking out walls, building things. It would be nice to have some safety covering prayer. We need favor with the county. We need favor with vendors. We need um, vision and, and foresight about who to work with and that kind of stuff. So we need you to pray. Number two is we need you to give. It's just, you know, that's, it's going to be so healthy. You're going to be really blessed by it. And it's really about the blessing the Lord's going to do on your life. And number three, we need you to volunteer. There's two parts to the volunteer. Um, Pastor Terry's going to tell you about our timeline in a minute. Um, and I'm going to be outside talking to people who want to help and volunteer. We're going to need people to help us move demolition material, people to help us paint, that kind of thing. Um, but we also are making room for more people. So the volunteers will need for a short period of time for the actual building project, but we need people to help us take care of kids. We need people to help us usher. We need people in the long-term volunteering. And I think that, um, you know, when you seek the Lord about what is my role in this, there's a volunteer element to that too. So, um, I, those three things, pray, give, volunteer. Thanks, sweetie. I call her sweetie because she's my daughter. You know, in case you wondered, does he call all the women of the church sweetie? No, just two, three now with a granddaughter. So, um, Okay, so about a week from this moment, 
I'll be asking the men of the church to help empty the room because um, a week from tomorrow, contractors will show up early in the morning and tear up the walls. And so uh, this is imminent. We've come up with a schedule um, to start. If we get all the furniture out of here next Sunday, um, they come in on Monday. And by the time the following Sunday arrives, we're still able to have church here. So um, we'll be doing demolition um, um, a week from tomorrow on Monday. And then on the Tuesday, they'll be doing reconstruction of the platform and stuff that they got to patch because of all the holes. And, and um, you need to know that when you come back on the following Sunday, there won't be new chairs and there won't be carpet. Because for some reason, you have to wait. <laughs> after you pick the color and after you do any place, you still got to wait because they got to make it in Georgia or something. And then the truck's got to drive it here. Same thing with the chairs. So it, there's some time. And, and like I said before, we're going to go as we can afford it. So when you get here, this place will be safe and it will be functional and it will be clean. But the ceiling might look funny for a while. And the floor is going to look kind of funny for a while. And, uh, so, but you can live with that, right? And it'll be a while till you can sit in a wonderful, nice new chair. Um, but um, so those things are coming. So next, not this week, but in a week, this place is going to get transformed. And then the following Sunday, you'll get to see kind of a, a bigger room and a whole different approach for what we're going to do. And, and, and we believe it's just the right time. By the time, um, you know, fall is coming and especially by Christmas time, we'll have room for people that the Lord is sending to us. Remember, um, we talked before about spiritual inertia. And I just, I, I, we're, gonna, we're done here. I think the, the chili smells like it's perfect right now. I think you're going to like your, your pepper belly. Um, and we talked about, you know, we tend to stay where we are unless some outside force wor- is worked, working upon us. And the Spirit of God, obviously, is, is an outside force. But there are other forces at work, too. And I want to encourage you about that and say to only allow yourselves to be worked on by the Spirit of God. (laughs) And I don't mean that regarding the building program and and offerings. That's not my point. I mean, it it applies to those things as well. But if the Lord is starting, if if there's something that's going to start nudging you spiritually, it's really important that you be available to it and that you discern that it's God and not something else, and not something else. Because I think there's, based on that prophetic thing that was going on in the worship time, I think there's probably a lot more that the Lord wants to do in your life than you're presently even aware of. And so I'm kind of sensitive and tender to that. So I just want to encourage you to go for it when the Lord starts nudging you today. So, okay, a couple quick things. I want to remind you, um, if you want people to pray with you today after church, there's a little prayer room. Today, there's a prayer room right on the other side of this hallway. It's your last chance after a ch- Sunday service to actually get prayed in a prayer room. In the, in, in the future, it'll just be a space um, because we won't have a room anymore. So that's, if you want someone to pray with you, there are a handful of people who just love God and care about you, and they're confidential, and you can share with them or not. If you just want people to pray, they'll be in there right after church. Second thing is um, there will be leaders available to talk through the project with you. If you have questions, we don't have time for that today. Obviously, we've gone long. Um, so we'll be hanging out here for you um, if you want to talk about it. And then today, um, I want to remind you, we're about chili and relationship, right? Relationship is one of our core values. I think chili today is one of our core values. So Lord, bless this chili. Thanks, God, for the hands that prepared it. 
we are so grateful for Pepper Bellies because you're good to us, Lord. Now, bless the things we've talked about, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So no music to send you out the door today. I've gone too long. God bless you. Have fun with your chili, and we'll see you next week.